be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Voorhees Sporting Goods. You know, there's nothing more serious than the facial injury rates among hockey players, particularly goalies. We recommend wearing our masks all the time, even when walking through the woods late at night. Now, we know some of our customers were concerned about our recent business mergers with Texas Chainsaw Supply and the Kruger Sleep Clinic over on Elm Street. But we remain committed to chasing down our customers. And don't forget, we'll have special hours on Fridays. We're dedicated to being the sporting goods supply store of your dreams. <laughs> I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. Welcome to the special Halloween week edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. Is this your favorite time of year, Mickey? Um, it really is in many ways. Um, yeah, I, I love Halloween. I, I think that secretly I should probably be like a cosplay person because I really like getting dressed up. I like Halloween parties. I like putting on costumes. Um, I love spooky stories. And of course, you know, I, we, we've discussed my love of horror films. So it's always been a very special time of year for me. I think it's a good choice, yes. And like I said, as someone who tends to prefer holidays that are not high maintenance, yeah, I, I generally like it. I will point out, though, I will either have a really awesome costume this year or I will have a really awesome costume shortly after Halloween if Amazon doesn't get on the stick. Oh. Um, Got so you. This is the exceptionally tense pre-Halloween edition of Jim, <laughs> um, where I'm either going to be really awesome and be able to jump out of the closet and freak out my sons, uh, or I'm just going, hey, guys, let's go trick-or-treating. Well, and going as myself. I think that's part of it is that a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of pressure um, in finding that right costume. Um, and of course, with all the costume choices that are out there now, um, that's certainly something that, you know, you consider because growing up, Halloween was always a big event in our family. I can remember as a child having three Halloween costumes, one to wear to the church Halloween party, one to wear to school and one to wear trick or treating. Um, when I got older, my parents actually put on Halloween parties for me and my friends and included a haunted walk and, you know, party games and everyone dressed and the whole bit. So Halloween has always been a very, like, um, high holy day for me <laughs> in, the, in, in that respect. And I love that now more adults are dressing, so I don't feel like a freak. But in turn, with the more adults dressing, everything has to be sexy. Yeah, I, I'm very curious. Who are these people craving a slutty little Bo Peep outfit? Um, <laughs> there, there are just certain things. You know, I realize that, that you know, there are probably some guys out there who will disagree with me, but there are certain nursery rhymes that just didn't need the sexy version myself. <laughs> hey, I, I nice tough it, Miss Muffet. <laughs> 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 it's gone nice. too far. And, and of course, that, that's Dave Perkins, our producer. Welcome back. Glad mm -hmm. to have you. And of course, he jumps right in with that. Um, but apparently, not only do they like Little Miss Muffet, um, they clearly <laughs> like Little Miss Riding Hood. 
Uh, Little Red Riding Hood <laughs> costumes are everywhere, and there's not much to them. <laughs> but they're very popular. It's a red cloak and not much else. Um, yeah, another right. one I noticed was Alice in Wonderland. And so I, I now believe there's a fetish group out there. A fairy who, tale fetish group. Yes, it's a fairy tale fetish group. Exactly. <laughs> Where's now, Jared? We, Jared's in jail, up. right? Otherwise, he'd be at this group. <laughs> Dude, I heard uh, that he had to pay them a million dollars apiece. And but I guess this was part of the whole like settlement deal, man. That turned over pretty quick. You want to talk about a frightening Halloween costume? I think Jared from Subway would be a pretty good choice right now. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is like you know, people are sick. They put up together sick costume combinations and ideas. And I actually had a uh, sorority sister in college who went as a serial killer, and uh. she had a white T-shirt. With little boxes, you remember those little boxes of cereal that came in like a pack of twelve, and they yeah, were right. Yeah, I remember packs? those. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And she stapled them all over her t-shirt. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. and she was a serial killer. I thought that was very funny. And so people were very clever, and 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 you know the homemade costumes are great. But I do like the idea that the spirit store and Party City and some of the others, again, getting the adults involved. Um, to the point, though, I will say when I was shopping for costumes this year, I had a moment of real frustration with you, um, both Game of Thrones people <laughs> and the Sons of Anarchy people <laughs> and the Walking Dead people because half the store was filled with those costumes and I don't watch any of those shows. <laughs> So I didn't care. Well, Sons of Anarchy is canceled. So maybe this is the, or they, they, they finished their run. So maybe this is the last window you have to put on that biker costume. Uh, also, if you're a biker, I guess you're just kind of taken care of for Halloween already. You're just kind of, you know, show right, up. Like as, if you're as a real yourself. biker, you don't need to dress up like Sons Everyday of Anarchy. Everyday clothes. That's right. And the Harley. Take the Harley trick-or-treating. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Mickey, when you go, when, when you're shopping, are you, are you thinking about coordinating with Mr. Bias? Does he kind of get a costume that goes well with yours or? Ironic you would mention that because no, that is not something we normally do. We have done it in the past. Um, at yeah. one point, uh, we dressed as Caesar and Athena. Oh, good choices. Okay. Classic, uh, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, one year we dress up and he was kind of like a 40s gangster and I was his, you know, girl. The mall. So, the gangster's mall, yes. Yes, I was a gangster's mall. But for the most part, no, we kind of do our own thing because um, we had two very different ideas about Halloween and how it should be celebrated. <laughs> but he's been drug along uh, throughout the years. However, this year I did spend some time looking at a couple's costume that was the tooth fairy and a big giant tooth. <laughs> <laughs> And I I thought it was great. And Uh, the molar of the story is? (laughs) Mr. Bias did not want to be a tooth all night, as it turns out. You know, um, I know you have cats, but if you had a dog, you really should have uh, had the dog dress up as a tooth because (laughs) that way it could be a canine. Oh, my favorite. It's the Gong Show Reborn. <laughs> Welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen, the unknown comic. Hey! Now, hey. now I'm going to go out on a limb, Mickey. Was this a sexy Tooth Fairy costume? Uh, 
Yes, it was a sexy tooth fairy costume. Yeah, I, okay, in, in all the depictions of the tooth fairy, going back to all the mythology and and the the secret cabal of the you know usually riven American Dental Association, mm-hmm. why is that fifth dentist holding out? Uh-huh. Um, but you know, has there ever been a depiction of you know put a tooth under your pillow and the sexy tooth fairy will come? <laughs> Look, let's we've we've discussed this before, but the truth of the matter is is that women's costumes, for the most part, boil down to a corset, yeah. and a short skirt, and some accessories of some kind. Stilettos. Um, I, I I am I am breaking the corset rule this year. I will say that. <laughs> let's pause for our audience to go. Oh. Yeah, I'm breaking the corset rule this year, but I'm very pleased with my costume, which, as you know, is always a surprise until I actually wear it. Um, and uh, but I have it, it took me some time to get used to the fact that I was looking at these little pretty princess costumes, and some of them, you know, I was like, oh, what a cute little sexy, you know, kind of princess outfit. And then I realized I was in the children's section. <laughs> 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 that's unnerving and you that's, ran into uh, jared from subway right <laughs> well it was one of those moments again i'm like i i'm not sure this is appropriate for a six-year-old no yeah i, I again like uh, you know I, I wouldn't mind it's good that this is a holiday that can be enjoyed by children and adults but i don't like seeing them kind of bleed over into each other you know like like let's and maybe we should split it into two maybe we should do the night before Halloween, it's either, you know, oh, uh, Mickey as a Western Pennsylvanian at heart. Is it Mischief Night or Devil's Night? Uh, we, uh, Mischief Night, I guess, but I, I, I don't remember any of this. Really? Okay, because I know this is a, in New Jersey, it's definitely Mischief Night. Some people call it, I think Devil's Night is what they call it out in um, Michigan. Oh, I was going to say, I think Devil's the- Night starts in Ohio. Um, and they celebrate by burning down Detroit, as I understand yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like a once or twice see, a like, week we event. We cause mischief all the time, as I've told you. I grew up in a very rural area. We had to entertain ourselves. So this whole idea of like one night of the year, you cause some problems. <laughs> it's kind of lost on that. Tuesday, basically. That's right. right. It was like, oh, Friday night. Um, isn't the final the last question? Didn't you see, show me something like there was like there was like regular mom costumes as opposed to the the slutty or sexy costumes that are out there? What what who's pitching these? Uh, yes, these are being pitched by people who apparently do not wish to wear the coveted corset and stockings <laughs> outfit with either bunny ears or whatever else you've wings etc. That you've chosen to put on. They've they've actually there's a line of costumes coming out for women and for moms in particular that allow them to dress up and not go out looking like whores, <laughs> if you will. And I say that with affection because I promise you, listeners, I will be dressed as a whore that night in some way. The one aspect of your costume that won't be a surprise. Correct. It's what you exactly. do every year. <laughs> I, I have held on to that, you know, since college, really, you know, that Halloween is the time to really let your freak flag fly. <laughs> so I do the best I can with that. And uh, coming up in the next section, Jim and I are going to have a slightly more serious discussion, but something very scary that happened. And then something that scared me with the reaction to it. Uh, We're going to be talking about Chloe and Lamar. And uh, I know you guys hate when we talk Kardashians, but I'll be really curious to hear 
your thoughts on that in the next section. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And our producer is Big Dave Perkins. We're glad to have him back. You're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back. This is Max Hedrum. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of television. And there's more. Because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes. Namely, the Max Hedrum story. And afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely... My, my, Max now, 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 back to the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am your host, Mickey White, along with Jim Garrity. And we were just getting into a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and um, very near and dear to everyone who exists on the planet, whether they <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> The Kardashians. (laughs) And this week, um, the last several weeks, actually, they've been in the news because of Chloe's husband. Um, Everyone thought it was a strange husband. Everyone thought it was an ex-husband, but found out that was not the case. Uh, The divorce had not been finalized yet. Lamar Odom, who is actually best known for being a really good basketball player, uh, played for the Lakers, really generous in his community, uh, did marry Khloe Kardashian later in his career, but was already famous when they met and married. Um, Lamar overdosed this weekend um, at a brothel, and it's actually at the famous Bunny Ranch that HBO used to run a show out of, if anyone's familiar with that. Um and since that time, he was in the hospital. He was declared brain dead. And through what it can only be described as miraculous recovery and divine intervention, he has awoken from the coma and is actually speaking and has left the hospital to go into physical therapy. He is not out of the woods by any means in that he needs a kidney transplant and some other things. But they have announced that they are not going to get divorced at this time. They are holding off the divorce and they're going to give it a second try. And this has been all over social media, every type of news, both entertainment and sports because of the ties of both families. And Jim, what do you think about all of this? Sure. So I I think the most interesting take I had seen on this uh, before Odom started showing signs of recovery, you know, for whatever you think of the Kardashians and, Mr. Odom, thank God he's on the mend or, or in better shape than he was. Um, New York Post had a, a pretty explicitly headlined article, How the Kardashians Destroy People's Lives for Reality Ratings, um, which is a, a pretty, uh, pretty scathing assessment. I'll just give you like two paragraphs to give you a, a sense of their argument. Within hours of Odom's hospitalization, Chloe, Chris, and seven months pregnant Kim had hopped on a private plane. According to Radar Online, they had a camera crew in tow. The 11th season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, filming now, premieres next month. Caitlyn Jenner was en route. Choose your own pronoun. By early Wednesday, media outlets such as TMZ, Radar, People, Us Weekly, E! and Entertainment Tonight suddenly had real-time updates and unobstructed views of matriarch Chris and her daughters outside the hospital, dressed in designer black dresses as if they were all widowed first ladies, straining to show distress on perfectly made-up Botoxed faces. (laughs) Pretty harsh and scathing. Um, Now, 
I don't think you can say the reason Lamar Odom ended up in a brothel uh, in terrible health conditions, apparently, you know, smoking crack cocaine, gorging apparently on Kentucky Fried Chicken and T-bone steaks. Um, <laughs> You know, having spent seventy five thousand dollars in a grim whorehouse, uh, that that I don't think they put him there. This is in some ways a reflection of the choices he had made with his life and his own uh, inner demons. Having said that, um, I, I think that the piece had a stronger point in the sense that the Kardashians are living about as close as you will find in modern life to the Truman Show. Right, that movie starring Jim Carrey of being you know in front of the cameras twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, seemingly endlessly. Only Jim um, Carrey didn't know and didn't choose it. They do. Yeah, um, this strikes me just inherently psychologically destabling. Um, is is that does that seem you know to could anyone handle being in the public eye all the time like that without having some developing some issues? And I think you know, the idea is that Lamar Odom wasn't ready for that, and Lamar Odom turned into. Uh, kind of swept away by this tide of media that that co- follows the Kardashians, and and that is completely possible. But that yeah. is Lamar Odom's fault, because know. at any time you can put a stop to that behavior. And I always point to the original family on TV, the Osbournes. All of them, um, when it, when the Osborne family reality show came on and everyone loved it. That the oldest sister, Kelly, or um, no, not Kelly, I can't remember her name, Amy, decided she wanted no part of it mm-hmm. and went that route. Now, the thing about it is there are a lot of clauses involving Kanye, as you can imagine, and others. You know, reality TV, one, there's very little real about it, as we all know. Um, but just to clarify some of the things that were in that article, one, um, once they found out that Lamar Odom was going to be in that hospital, how many paparazzi do you think camped out waiting for the Kardashians to show up? All of them? Now, exactly. <laughs> now, that's going to happen whether the Kardashians do anything or not. So, one thing they have to worry about constantly is they're always being judged by the media, right? And by every person in the whole world. That's just part of their life. Let me interrupt you there. Their, their fear of being judged by the media. Do they, Mickey? Look, dude. You, if they were, don't you think their behavior would change? <laughs> okay, but in... This, many, this is the it, good Kardashians? This is the good, the best behavior Kardashians? As I've told you, and yet no one believes me because no one ever who complains about it ever actually watches the show. These people are flawed. Exceptionally flawed people. However, they really do love each other and they do stick together i mean they're almost like the mafia in that respect they like close ranks faster than anything i've never seen anything circle the wagons better than like maybe the democrats and it's absolutely amazing but they stick together and i was not surprised at all to find out that they were going out there to be with lamar i was not surprised at all to find out that chloe decided to you know call off the divorce and stick with them in watching just the bits of the show that I have, you know, started catching up on since watching the show for this show, I had never, you know, I haven't been someone who's been watching the show for years. I made fun of it too. But when I first started watching it, I judged myself for watching it. But as you get to know the family and their dynamic, you realize they're just like any other family. They're extremely famous, they're extremely busy. But for the situation, they knew paparazzi were going to be there. 
they dressed in black because at that time it did not look good. Mm -hmm. And it would have been inappropriate for them to show up in anything, you know, flashy or whatever. I mean, it would have been immediately. Mm. So black is the best way to go here. And it is my understanding releases have been made by the Kardashians that they did not take their cameras with them. There was no filming with Lamar um, at all. And they even shut down their websites for a couple days. So, the, you know, there were certain things that they actually did as a family. And, and then, again, not a surprise that Caitlyn shows up because he and Chloe were very close, as was he with Lamar. I mean, again, this is still a family. Um, one of the things that bothered me about it the most was when he was still in that we don't think he's going to make it stage, there was a certain meanness. Mm that came out of people and I mean, truly unkind in the sense of wishing him dead. Yeah. I believe it was Scott Van Pelt of ESPN just lit into yes. uh, the reaction he was seeing on social media. And some of it was looking at him through the lens of, of the connection to the Kardashians instead of everything else he had done with his life. Uh, my understanding of this is a guy who's had about as hard an upbringing and, and rough circumstances and tragic losses in his life long before all this. And, oh, and absolutely. So the- and he's a father and, you know, and it, apparently still husband and son, et cetera. This man was taking care of like 30 other people as they usually are. Um, and yet, not only were they judging him on the Kardashians, I mean, he OD'd in a brothel. Well, you're going to own that, right? But you still don't necessarily want that person to die because of it. People make mistakes. And I was really troubled by that. And then when he recovered, um, you know, you know me. I'm not a super religious person, but I am a person of faith. I believe in the power of prayer. And apparently so do the Kardashians because when he recovered, the first thing that Kim sent out to all of her social media, literally millions of fans, was that she believed in the power of prayer. And and it was, in fact, miraculous. I mean, people were saying prayers for Lamar for three days he was in that coma and they were being told that, you know, not not to make plans, so to speak. And he woke up and spoke to Chloe. That is a miracle in our day and time. And we often, you know, come across a lot of people who consider themselves to be, you know, good Christians and and people who follow the Bible and the faith and they judge their Kardashians pretty harshly. Um, and maybe rightly so. But when you see a miracle happen before you, shouldn't you stop and recognize it? I think you're making a fair point there. And I think that my my bigger objection to the argument we saw from the Post article and elsewhere on social media is a sense that like this, what the, the Kardashians did here might – probably is not their worst moment. Probably is not their – in fact, it's, it's probably one of their more normal moments. Um, and I don't think how much grief you're getting for going to the hospital and wanting to be with a member of – family as the uh, estranged husband, should we say, um, is, is, you know, clinging to life. I, I do kind of think, though, that they represent a, there's a certain toxicity that represents when living so much of your life in the public eye. I mean, 
We're getting day Oh, yeah. By I mean, I don't updates. think it's healthy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, the thing is, is that by, it's unhealthy both for them and for anyone who's kind of caught in their wake like Lamar Odom was. But I think also, <clears throat> I think there's something unhealthy about us as a culture developing this much interest in this family. On the cover of Cosmopolitan this month, it, says, it has all the Kardashians and it says, America's first family. You know, Mickey, that's the only thing in the world that could make me say, bring back the Kennedys. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 there are lots of, you know, you know who you, I, I will, I will put a, I will posit to you. I'll give you an option of a family that would be superior. Isn't Dwayne Johnson related to Troy Palomalu? Yes. All right. Wouldn't that be a better America's first family? Well, <laughs> th- obviously I am not going to complain about you suggesting that the rock and Troy are part of America's first family because, well, obviously i know my audience yeah you know you know your audience with me i'm down with that i'm not suggesting their role models although as i've said a million times i think that they are underestimated in both their capitalism and their entrepreneurship um and their ability to take you know what other families and harlots have not been able to do and open what i believe kim is now the ceo of i believe 31 businesses So, you know, I always fall back on that. But what was more troubling to me was the fact that people were so mean. um, And even when he recovered, there wasn't like a a full on, oh, my God, we witnessed a miracle moment. And sometimes that irritates me because I think that we're always, you know, talking about faith and religion and things like that. And when something really impressive happens um, and there really isn't an explanation, we should recognize that, too. Let's give a little bit of credit to the doctors, I would say. But yes, um, well, from <laughs> from a, a modern state of the cult state of our culture to a, a bit of a flashback to the future, mm-hmm. we'll be have more on that right after this. Harvey, want anything special for your birthday? Just a decent cup of coffee. You're kidding. I'm serious. Honey, your coffee's undrinkable. And he didn't even kiss me goodbye. You know, if I could just make a decent cup of coffee, I could relax. So, relax. Why don't you try instant Folgers? Tastes good as fresh perked. Good as fresh perked? Hey, great coffee. It's instant Folgers. Doesn't it taste good as fresh perked? Better. Better than those girls make at the office? Honey, their coffee can't hold a candle to yours. Instant Folgers taste good as fresh perked. Try it. Smith Barney. They make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. Back to the Jim and Mickey Show. Good as fresh perked. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And we're taking you back to the future. No, we're not. Uh, you know what's kind of wonderful is we're not going back to the future. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, the uh, director of the spectacular Back to the Future series, uh, was asked about this fairly recently. We've come up on uh, October 22nd, uh, 2015. The date that was marked as the future back in the uh, 1989 sequel to the film. And here we are. We are in the future that was imagined then. And with obviously people kind of you know, discussing um, the similarities, the things that the predictions of the future got right, things that got wrong. Uh, Mickey, I don't know about you. It feels a little too close to the political fact checkers for me. That was kind of weird for me too because it was like they were fact checking a movie. And I'm like, you do realize it was a movie. <laughs> yeah. Zemeckis- right? And a comedy nonetheless about time travel. 
Yeah. Zemeckis predicted we would have flying cars, but we don't. So we break that one. Pants on fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the hoverboard one was funny because it's like, you know, people are like, well, we do have hoverboards. And I'm like, nah, those don't count. Well, it was just one. I think the Lexus yeah, company made yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. They had like, to nah, magnetize. They had to magnetize the ground it was on. They had to plant magnets in the floor to make the board hover. So that's not really a useful commuter tool. <laughs> no, and, and you know, it, it, one of the things that was interesting. There were several different headlines and papers floating around with you know, um, future headlines, so to speak. And the the one that got me kind of like in the gut, if you will, um, was Queen Diana visits the U.S. Oh, oh dear, yeah, yeah. Um, it was like, oh, um, you know, and 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 but the the idea of Nike actually creating the shoes for Michael J. Fox to wear mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. Um, did you see them actually lace up? They're not quite as fast as they were in the movie. <laughs> but they do lace up by themselves. Um, Pepsi put out some Pepsi Perfect products like they had in the movie. However, apparently it was like $20 a bottle and didn't have any of the cool gadgets. <laughs> so people were extremely disappointed in that. Well, at that point, no, if you're buying a, a movie tie-in product, you're not actually drinking it for the soda. <laughs> right. One, because of the price, and two, let's face it, it's Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> a distant also ran forever, right? Am I right? Uh, <laughs> um, I say, Mickey, actually some spectacular news about the uh, the Back to the Future series for fans and even for those who don't like it. Um, Zemeckis is in uh, Japan promoting his new film, uh, The Walk, and he said it is a well-made trilogy and it will stay that way, meaning there Yay. will not be a Back to the Future 4. And, and here's the thing. I say this as somebody who really enjoyed 1 and 2 and thought 3 was okay. Um I got to salute he, Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, who occasionally will play the characters for some. Yeah, they'll do it for some parody or something fun. They did it on Jimmy Kimmel. Did you know that? They went on Jimmy Kimmel. They drove the car onto the stage on the night of the 21st on the Kimmel show and got out of the car as the characters. It was a cute skit. Yes, it was, actually. They made a nice story and they ended it. (laughs) And they didn't feel this need to constant up and then oh i left my wallet in 1972 we got to go back you know <laughs> <laughs> let's have a spin-off marty jr and and you know up oh, let's give uh uh the dog einstein this whole series of films and all that stuff yeah, it they, just they, occurred they to me that the trouble with the back to the future uh trilogy is that they've already made their own prequel by going back into the past they can't do it anymore they've done what? it and <laughs> and i will confess i don't think i even saw three yeah, it was fascinating. It was with with number two with them. Basically, you needed you know John Madden in a telestrator to diagram. Well, first they're going to the future, boom, and then they go back to the past, <laughs> boom, and then you know flipping mm-hmm. around all that stuff. The second was just yeah, they're they're back. They're stuck in the old west time, and they have to get back. <laughs> it was remarkably simple. And I think they just decided, hey, do you feel like making a western? Cool, let's do that. And that's how they ended up making the third one, which seemed a bit of a letdown compared to how. Uh, complicated and elaborate the uh, the second one had gotten. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of moving around. And again, like I said, it, I, for whatever reason, that third one just had no draw for me. I think I had outgrown the, the genre, if you will. I think Zemeckis would have been better off saying, we've made a nice story and the story ended after the second movie. 
<laughs> I agree, well, actually, with you, Dave. I think that that would have been just fine. Um, I, I think, you know, sometimes you need to stop. Whoa, wait, uh, wait. Keep in mind, the second one ends with uh, Marty McFly stuck in 1955, and the, uh, the, the, the DeLorean got struck by lightning and disappeared. Okay, that would have been I didn't watch that as closely as I thought I did. And I'm also, you know, I understand where, you know, films are now being made much more as part of series and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I kind of believe I have this very old fashioned notion that a movie should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if you ended your movie on a cliffhanger, you know, one, you're demanding, I dem- you know, we're, we're going to get you know, another 12 bucks from you an hour, in a year or two from you. <laughs> like, I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, we just got tired and we stopped. <laughs> you know, I, oh, you know and again, of, or they were automatically setting you up for your twelve bucks a year from now. Yeah, uh, coupled with, I mean, you know, so so Mickey, and, you can guess the single biggest and most consequential event in my life in the past week. Not the National Review dinner, not a fabulous event speaking to the Heritage Foundation. No, no, no. What was the biggest deal in the Garrity House of the past week? That be... Well, all of those things. Congratulations on all of them, and. Um, I know what the big event was. It was the Star Wars trailer. And I know this because it broke Twitter and social media and Fandango. Uh, it did. And, you know, we only had to sit through like 30 minutes of the most boring football ever waiting for, you know, just hoping that the Giants and Eagles would take a knee and stop wasting our time so we could finally get to the trailer. It was hysterical because I, I felt like when they trolled all the nerds that had tuned into football who don't watch football because <laughs> it took forever to get to the actual promo. I would say as a connoisseur um, of actual football, Mickey, yeah. what like, like don't you feel like for all the people who are tuning in who don't usually watch football – wouldn't you have liked for them to see not a series of fumbles? Well, it, what the best part was is I found myself, and I actually tweeted this out um, on Monday night, was I love the fact that these people were tuning in and going, what do you mean? They said 41 seconds, and that was like five minutes ago. Yes. You know, um, you know I, people have no idea how the football time clock works. And, I, and, I, and again, they, they did make us sit through some relatively crappy highlights before they finally got to it. Mm. And and it was so funny because the minute it aired, I mean, people turned into twelve year olds again, and it was kind of it was kind of a nice feeling. I will admit it. Um, it was nice to see people excited about something, looking forward to something, talking about buying their tickets, and Fandango was crashing, and how exciting this is. And then I found out it came out on December eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Did it seem early to you or, or, or far away for you? To buy tickets. It, it felt to me that – it, it just felt to me that, like, it was way too early one um, as far as, like, the fact that it was sold out already was – I mean, it's incredible. But at the same time, like, I'm probably going to end up seeing this movie even though I didn't mm-hmm. see the prequels and my childhood wasn't ruined. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I will probably see this movie and – because of, you know, the noted special effects after, you know, people t- go and see it. And if they say, like, oh, you need to see this in the theater, then I'll probably go and see it in the theater. I did not, however, immediately go online, buy tickets, um, auction off any of my children. I don't plan on dressing in costumes, waiting in lines, or having any type of sexual reaction. <laughs> To the film itself. Hey, Chewbacca is back, right? 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I will. I will make the observation. I think you're correct. The news that you know already the the first weekend showings are sold out and stuff like that. Here's where this is going to be a problem for a bunch of us if we have not reserved tickets. And I'm actually among those who have not. I probably won't be able to see it that opening weekend, and that's fine. But there better not be any big shocking surprises in there, and there better not be any spoilers. And there, there's already rumors floating around on the internet about possibilities and stuff. But it's speculation. Yeah, you know, he's not on the poster, right? So people start saying, hmm, is he the one behind the mask? Now, I don't think so, but I don't I do. know. Oh, oh, you do? Interesting. Well, know why. Um, why? Because the prequels did not ruin my childhood. And going <laughs> along with what you said, then if we're following in, like, this is after Return of the Jedi, right? Then at that point, he finds out he's the father and he was always kind of toying and weak with the whole dark side thing. And I think that's going to be the big, like, surprise. Although I have heard other people say, like, oh, maybe he'll come back like an Obi-Wan-type character since he was an old Jedi or whatever. It is interesting that he is not on the poster. Right. Uh, We've heard him. We we know he's in the movie. He has come back. He has been in the – we've seen the picture of the whole cast. He's got Um, a beard. He narrated the Comic-Con video. Uh, But we have not seen him in any of the trailers other than speculation that we see a hand reaching out to R2. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it could be Luke's hand. So it's kind of the speculation. It's, you know, he's in there. Oh, wait a minute. How do we know it looks like it could be Luke's hand? <laughs> uh, how geeky do you want me to get on this, Mickey? Uh, just go to town, Garrity. All right. So he has an artificial hand because Darth Vader shut it, uh, cut it off and it looks like a cybernetic hand. So it doesn't uh, age. Got it. <laughs> it looks like a robot hand. So we leave, you leave him with one hand and you know what that ha- means you have on the other side, right, Mickey? What's that? You have a hand solo. <laughs> oh god hey, Jim you. this is the sound of one hand clapping for that joke ah, there you go. <laughs> nice nicely done did not see that one coming at all neither did Luke seeing Vader's lightsaber anyway <laughs> so yeah so we, we have something to look forward to we have a good reason for a will to live um, you know going to make the end of the year great uh, I, I got to see, you know, I understand that the second weirdest thing you will see out of a Star Wars trailer is a parachuting beaver. Keep it right here. <laughs> yes. And we don't mean that Canadian pop star. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Legendary artists. Living in the 90s has the songs you know, the songs you love, and the songs you just can't live without. Can't touch this. There's only one thing left to say about living in the 90s. You're unbelievable. To order, call the number on your screen or send check or money order. Two CDs, 26. Player. Player. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Mickey White along with Jim Garrity. And I watched a fascinating Mysteries at the Museum, a great show. It's on the Travel Channel. Um, they always go into different types of museums, pick out one specific artifact, and then decide to tell the story of it. And the story last night was about parachuting beavers. Let's go back. You had me at parachuting beavers, Mickey. Um, <laughs> just to clarify, we this, this is not some secret code name. 
This is not some randomly generated uh, series of, of words from the Defense Department. It's not you a password for software in, or something. In, par- in parachutes, correct. <laughs> yes. And the story goes that there was an area um, in, in Alaska where there was a problem with – there was an overpopulation of beavers. And there was another area that had an underpopulation of beavers. However, they could not transport the beavers there by anything on wheels. So, as the man explained last night, the options were, because this is about 1908, the options were, I'm sorry, I lied, it was, early, it was later than that. Um, but the options were at the time, because of getting there and clearing the forest, etc., was that they could either put the beaver on a horse or put the beaver in a wagon. They were trying to figure out different ways to get... Sort of the- a beaver cowboy. Yes, the beaver cowboy. When he said put the beaver on the horse, I pretty much was done for a good five minutes. <laughs> the entire segment was a that's what she said. Because here's the best part. The way they determined that they were going to do it is they were going to take a beaver and put it in a box and then they were going to tie the beaver to a string helicopter it all the way over to the new area and then push it out with a parachute attached to it (laughs) the beaver in the box parachuting down as it hits the ground the hope is that the beaver in the box will pop open and the beaver will jump out and immediately start making a habitat. If they but make the course, box out of wood, he can escape on his own after a certain amount of time, right? Well, there's that possibility. <laughs> there's also the possibility of the bet that Mr. Bias and I had, which was beaver lives, beaver dies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I took beaver dies and lost. Um, but what ends up happening is they actually do it. They, there's footage of it. They They have actual footage of them taking the beavers and pushing them out. And they had one as their sample. His, you know, he was the test run. They named him Geronimo. No joke. <laughs> and, um, and so, and they pushed him out. I guess it was about 60 years ago. So they pushed him out and there he goes and he's floating down the parachuting beaver in the box, hits the ground and it pops open. And sure enough, Ger- Geronimo jumps out, ready to go. Oh, really? Beaver on the ground. They ultimately ended up moving 75 beavers parachuted. Wow. I, I, that was going to be my next question is how many of them actually survived? Operation Beaver Penetration was a success. Operation Beaver <laughs> Penetration was not only a success. Apparently, the population grew and doubled and tripled and then, of course, became a beaver population. Which problem. is what happens in uh, anything called Operation Beaver Penetration. I just want to point that out. Yes, anything called Operation Beaver Penetration generally leads to some type of increase in population. <laughs> so, Mickey, am I correct in assuming that this is up in Alaska, you said, correct? I believe that's where it was at. I'm going to actually grab the footage. Um, one of our friends of the show and, and friends from Alcon Radio, uh, Hammy, Steve Hamilton, put up the video this morning of the actual parachuting beaver. So I'm going to grab that and throw that up on our Facebook page. Um, and, and this was the idea. I guess the thing is that they were there like mountains or some sort of impassable 
obstacle between where the beavers were and where they wanted the beavers to reset. Yes, the, yeah, there, there were no roads. There were no, uh, like I said, there was no way to get there. It was either by foot, carrying them by foot, or as I said, putting the beaver on the horse. And it was it was difficult to to monitor the beaver movement. Correct. Um, <laughs> so uh, they put the beaver. No matter how many eyes on that beaver, they not, yeah, okay. I'm picturing a beaver catapult that <laughs> takes the beavers and just throws them over the mountain range. Like making you know, siege on I, a I castle. I think the only problem there would be we would need something to catch them on That's the other right. end. Yeah. Because, yeah. My, as again, I lost the bet of beaver dies. Yeah. <laughs> because my thought was there is no way this works. This is the dumbest idea ever. Oh, and yeah. sure enough, totally worked. Right. I, I must say I'm slightly disappointed because right before the show, Mickey said, hey, we really need to talk about parachuting beavers. And when, when you get a request like that, you say yes. Like, so OK, I, I get why. But I, I was actually picturing something a little more dramatic because um, it sounds like the sort of thing they would come up with during like World War Two. The idea that like like the dolphins. Well, we're going to go after Nazi Germany's forestry supply. <laughs> we, we, we've decided we need to attack the, the Axis powers with their supply of wood. <laughs> Thus, we need to find the very best beavers we can and insert them behind enemy lines. Train them I'm first. I'm picturing <laughs> the beaver dirty dozen. Well, and think the about it because dozen. the beavers are like the engineers of the animal world. And they can go in and build anything. So, you know, they, they build dams that ruin people's, you know, farmland overnight. They have to go in there and blow that stuff up. Actually, I think they only build one thing, and then that's what it is. But they're pretty good at that. Yeah, they're pretty serious about it, and they're pretty serious about, like, taking out the habitat around, like, creating their own little area. So, you know, if you want to imagine, it, like, initially when you think of parachuting beavers, I see them in their little, you know, obviously they've got the little strapped-on parachute. They've got their <laughs> goggles on. They've got their little helmet. It's like an you episode know, of Bowling and they, and they dive out of the plane. And then, you know, halfway down, they pull the chute. <laughs> but that's not exactly how it happened. Um, now I'm looking at this and thinking, maybe we should be looking at military applications of beaver technology. See, I, um, you know, beaver there's, there's... technology can be very convincing, I'm sure. <laughs> I can see two beavers about to jump out of a plane with the goggles on, and one of them says to the other, For England. <laughs> 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 why are we sending the beavers? Because they're the ones who give a damn. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Captain America's uh, partner in World War II called Bucky? Anyway, uh, it just seems like, it seems like a good beaver nickname. Bucky, you know, get over Bucky here. Bucky the beaver? <laughs> yes. Um, in fact, I, I think now, like this, now, now I'm picturing, as we're having this conversation, Mickey, you know that like somewhere at like uh, Nickelodeon or something, somebody's looking at that and saying, oh my God, a World War II, II tale. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Hogan's heroes among beavers. You know, and you, you send them, they, they have to sneak under enemy lines. And, They're the you know. inglorious beavers. There you go. They can gnaw well, a bridge. No. They can gnaw a bridge halfway to broken, and then the tank's coming across. It'll break, see. And they don't even need explosives for that. Those things no. are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, beavers, I mean, you know, like I said, they're, they're much more ingenuitive than we think. And I think Sarge, that we could be used Sarge. differently. Sarge, Barry, chipped a tooth. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. <laughs> I'm in all leave the way. Leave no beaver behind. You know, so. Leave no beaver behind. That's what I call a wraparound double entendre, Jim. Well done. 
coming to you this Christmas from Pixar. <laughs> Band of Beavers. Band of Beavers. <laughs> the little Strat I, guys got some competition now over there. Yes, I, I still like my Inglorious Beavers. Glorious? Oh, that's even better. That's, yes, because you're right. You know, the other furry animals are like the enlisted troops, and these are you're right. They're much more the inglorious bastards or the dirty dozen type. Yes, like the beavers exactly. get sent in for the really the really tough job. So the dirty beavers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have Bucky there, but also you could have Justin. Let's not forget that. <laughs> See, yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, there are a lot of pro- you have a lot of choices in your podcast out there. But in order to appreciate all of these jokes, you need to be familiar with like World War II movie and 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 you know history and David McCullough books and all these things about like World Band of Brothers and stuff like that. And you have to have a mind in the gutter at the same time. It's yes. a high bar. Venn diagram. If you're appreciating this segment, you're in a very special demographic. <laughs> you know, yes. you are a Jim and Mickey show listener right there. <laughs> Absolutely, I, and I appreciate our listeners because they are definitely a very small Venn diagram of people who, well, as you said, they are well read, and of course, they also have a dirty mind. Two circles on the Venn diagram, third grader and bachelor of arts. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Whatever overlaps, that's our audience. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're going for. Uh, and coming up in the next segment, we are uh, going to be talking about some other big news that came out this week and uh, has some people excited, but probably not quite as excited as for the big Star Wars announcement. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity, along with Dave Perkins, and you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. We'll be right back. The final segment of the radio show that's always flirting with disaster. The Jim and Mickey Show, coming right up. After you take away the bread, cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, and mayonnaise, what have you got? Well, with Oscar Mayer Bologna, you've got meat, and lots of it. Cuts from the beef brisket, chuck, round and flank. Cuts of pork side and shoulder, never cereal or filler. Oscar Mayer Bologna. The beginning of a beautiful sandwich. Hello! Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and we are close to the end of a hour of our program. Uh, we just had the excitement of the parachuting beavers. I'd like to give our listeners a choice in the ending of this program. If you'd like to end it with Jim talking, turn to page 32. If you'd like to have Mickey talking, turn to page 36. Yes, I'm making a reference to Choose Your Own Adventure, those books from our childhood that apparently are still going strong. Mickey, you said they're finding a way to adapt this to the age of Twitter? Uh, Yes, and actually the problem is they're not going strong as books. Um, As books, I actually had difficulty finding them even for my stepson. Um, But they have adapted it now to a game of Twitter. And you follow certain accounts and certain handles lead you to different storylines. And, you know, they don't seemingly have a really serious tone to them yet. But it's the first of its kind. And it's certainly an original um, idea. Apparently, it's not the first um, that's ever been built, but it's the first that's ever been marketed to the public. Were you a fan of the Mickey? Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, I, I was a voracious reader as a child, and one of the things I loved about Choose Your Own Adventure books is it was like getting 
more than one book in one. Mm. I was say, do you find the habit of, of like keeping your finger on the page you were last at, checking to see what happens on page 32, and if it said, you're eaten by the monster, going back and saying, no, no, I meant to pick 36. I totally meant to pick page 36. Oh, yeah, that's part of the, the thing is that you, yeah, obviously, especially, now I don't know with the Twitter game, but I know um, with the books, you do have the option of reset, basically. <laughs> like, oops, sorry, we'll go back the other one, I'll go the other way. Um, but no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and you know, it's kind of, the way I have lived my life, uh, Jim, is to choose my own adventure, as you well know. <laughs> um, I call everything that I do an adventure. And you have had a crazy week of adventures and, uh, and a crazy week of book promotion yourself. And, and in your case, you're kind of telling guys to choose a different type of adventure, right? Oh, that is a fantastic segue, Mickey. Yes. Um, by the time many of you are listening to this, October 26th is the official release date for Heavy Lifting, the book I co-wrote with Cam Edwards. Uh, Amazon was starting to ship it out a little bit before then. So basically from that day on, I'm going to be doing on a kind of a relentless schedule of, of radio interviews and hopefully some TV interviews and appearances, talk, Cam and myself talking up the book. We will talk about it at greater length on this program shortly. Um, but, uh, so that's, you know, that, that's my reading recommendation. Maybe we should have made it a choose your own adventure version, Mickey, you know, the choose your own adventure version of heavy lifting, how to be a man. I think, I, I think, you know, by having both you and cam writing it, you kind of did. <laughs> that's a very good point. The, uh, the good folks at Regnery, when they were discussing how to promote this book said, uh, and, and Mickey, you'll probably appreciate this description. We are city mouse and country mouse. <laughs> perfect you know that is so perfect two different approaches to life um uh, and you know if you're listening before october 26th you can get heavy lifting pre-order at a discount on amazon um and again it's heavy lifting with jim garrity and cam edwards if you're googling it or looking it up and it'll be available in stores on october 26th one of the other things i want to mention is we've had we have talked a little bit about Dave's show, um, but I always want to remind you that you can find Dave Perkins live um, every Monday through Friday night. Uh, and Dave, do you want to plug your station? Weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, WGUL, Tampa St. Pete. That's 860 AM, a Salem communication station on which I heard Jim Garrity being interviewed by Hugh Hewitt right before my show started last week. So the book tour is going well, Jim. I'm on there uh, weeknights at 9 and also Sundays morning and evening airing the wrap-up of all those shows. So, and Jim, I just like to set the table for you, Dave. You know, get, get your audience warmed up, <laughs> feeling right. good, and then they hand it over to you. Bring them in and make them believe that it's worth their $12. Right. <laughs> I need you nice. on the program next week, by the way, and Mickey also. So it's time to, uh, to spread the good radio pollen around here. Yes, yes. I, I would love to join you, Dave. You just let me know and I'll be happy to join you. Right. As you know, we don't talk politics here, but I'd be happy to discuss them with you. Um, and, and one of the other cool things that happened to me this week was I got invited back to TMZ um, and it was a, a, another appearance on TMZ this week. So that was a lot of fun. Thanks to those people who invited me. Let everyone back. know what you talked about, spurring Jim's envy. <laughs> Star Wars, the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> TMZ calls her to talk about it. Maybe they thought I would geek out too much. So. <laughs> yes, she was yes. there to give a normal person's response to the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking that you know they, they were looking for a, a girl's response to the mm. trailer. Well, you can do that better than I can. 
Yes, that is one thing that I am capable of doing that you are not, as you are the star, Jim Garrity. And I know that you'll be busy. So everybody, please keep an eye out for heavy lifting. And uh, and Jim is and Cam Edwards, friend of the show, they're going to be out doing interviews um, on TV and radio. So please be sure to shout out to us on all of our social networking um, sites so that we can see that you can see us. And you can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. You can always find us here at SoundCloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us on AltCon Radio and the 405 Media. You can also find us on Roku and iTunes. So basically, there's no excuse for not listening to the Jim and Mickey Show. We are where you are already listening to your podcast. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. We're embracing the culture one show at a time. And you've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show.